This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Welcome to episode 113 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I'm Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome Aaron Gossett and Luke Jones from the band Bliss. I heard their previous EP for the first time earlier this year and really, really liked it. I could not wait to hear the full like No One Loves You, which came out last month. What I didn't know was what happened in between these two releases. Aaron explained the nexus of the album with his upbringing in the South, having a kid with a woman of a religious family, the fallout that ensued, and what it took to get this album done. To hear someone speak so candidly about something so personal was refreshing and at times hard to hear. Great music comes from dark places sometimes, and this was definitely one of those. Aaron, Luke, and I also chat about the word emo and why they're a fan of all the old shit. Go check out their new album, No One Loves You, on Sergeant House. It's one of my favorites of the year. Also, if you have a second, go to anthologyofemo.com and check out the book, pre-order it, and come see an event next year, anthologyofemo.com. This is episode 113 of the Washed Up Email podcast with Aaron Gossett and Luke Jones from Bliss. (laughs) Aaron, Luke, what's up? Hello. How are you guys? Good. Welcome to my apartment. <laughs> Studio apartment. Well, that that stopped to put the record on hold. I had a kid. That'll that'll do a number of things. You know, like stifle your music career. This like blossoming music career that we had going on. It was like we got the news that Sergeant House wanted to put out our full length and like take over the rest of that release. And I was stoked. And then like the next week, I got a phone call from my girlfriend, and she's like, "Hey, just so you know." And actually, we weren't together at the time. Hey, just so you know. I'm pregnant and you know I'm trying to be really supportive so I'm like oh that's that's fucking awesome you know but at the yeah. same time I'm thinking like shit you know <laughs> like what am I gonna do so then that was a very interesting ride and the whole record is telling a lot of that story too you know the ups and downs of our relationship in between you know like the last like few years so from that moment of you're being told that and you've got this band and yeah. music and what were some of those what was what was some of the first things that happened? Did you tell everybody in the band? Uh, I we tried to keep it uh, under wraps. She's she her family they're like very religious, very you know like just like a cult you know kind of ordeal that they have going on. So she did not want anyone to know until it was for sure that it was that you know she and also not tests. being married. That's yeah, probably not, was yeah, an issue. Yeah, she just wanted to keep it you know like to herself, and she didn't want to ruin their reputation or her reputation. And that was the mindset that she still had at the time. Now she realizes that was stupid, you know. But and, I mean, the South. Yeah, I, know it's I grew real. up in the Northeast. Yeah, I go to school, and I know. If it's Jehovah's Witness or Catholicism or all these things. But then I saw I saw some shit. Oh, I yeah. saw these yeah. one group of kids that was like super, super crazy religious mm-hmm. speaking tongues. Yeah. I had never like flipping yeah. on the TV That's and there's a channel scary. where the yeah. guy is send money to me and I'll pay or send me your bills and God will pay them. <laughs> and he was burning people's bills on public access. There's that's like so, so that's so messed up man. but that but 
I think that's hard for someone that didn't kind of like the South kind of like yeah. has this sort of like Southern charm and everybody. It's there's but it's more layer. of like a it's it's like a yeah. it's like a front. There's a layer of it's a real deep layer there of really dark shit if you look into it. Yeah, man, it's 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 deep and it's got a lot to do with money. You know, because it's a huge market for them. You know, these people come in here like oh, my my girlfriend. Her dad's a pastor. You know, like he doesn't have another job. He's a carpenter. Yeah, he doesn't sell his work. You know, <laughs> and they and he's got a really nice house and a really nice car and a, re- a lot of really nice things. And you know, the congregation pays for a lot of that. They pay for this, and that's I think that's kind of like incentive for somebody that gets into that. I mean, you also got to brainwash yourself into believing that shit. But you know. On the other end of that, I mean, there's a lot of incentive because you're going to make a lot of money manipulating poor, desperate people, you know, with some, like, hope, you know. So they take advantage of it. And they, they put it in their family, too. Like, he, he's he got three daughters, four daughters, you know, including my girlfriend, you know. So they grew up very young, you know, like, always learning this stuff and always going to, like, Bible school and church, you know. So it's just very heavily, like, deeply ingrained in her mind. It's almost like she doesn't know how to exist outside of that perspective. And it took a long time for her and I to, like, even be able to, like, not butt heads on topics like that. Now we're at a good point in our relationship where she's pretty much disowned all of that ideology. And I think she kind of realized how awful it was after everything that happened between us. But it took a long time. And and, and then it, your relationship with her parents was probably oh, strained. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, strained is an understatement. But yeah, they, don't, they didn't really care for me all that much, you know, <laughs> at all. You know, they did not want me to be around. They didn't want to meet me. I didn't even meet them until she was six months pregnant. Really? You know, and wow. we had been dating for years at this point. So, you know, like they just had no desire to get involved. They were just basically, I was just like shame. They, she was like the shame daughter for, you know, seeing this guy, you know, and then she didn't really talk to him about me or really want them to know. I think actually they were under the impression that we weren't even together for a long period of time, wow. you know, because I think she told them we weren't together because she was just afraid to like, you know, divulge all that with them you know i met her sisters um years ago when we first started dating like i had met them previously because they they own a church that they put on a lot of local shows where we grew up so when i was younger we play a lot of shows there but i was younger you know so i wasn't going around hanging out with all these people i was just kind of like know their faces and know that they own the church and that they're the reason that we're going to do shows here so appreciate them you know and then later on when her and i started like seeing each other we uh we went and had dinner over at her sister's house and they had just had a baby and they were just trying to like be really inviting because they didn't really know me that well. They didn't know like my ideology, you know? So they like had me like holding their baby and then they wanted me to feed their baby. And I felt like they were just trying to like, like nurture me or like teach me how to be this parent. Like they were trying to put me on. It felt that way very much. You know, they were just like, putting me through this fatherly test you know like they wanted to make sure that if we were in a relationship that it was like has to be going somewhere like towards marriage or something like that and i got that vibe immediately and that was when i was like okay let me like you know dial it back a little bit you know and i talked with her about it and then it became like a much more pressing issue in our relationship where like she was she's very religious you know she she, it's very important to her and 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 i come to find out now it was not nearly as important as she was saying it was it was a lot of fear kind of driving that shit you know and she really wanted me to just try you know just try please try to understand it try to like so i did i was like okay you know i love you and i'm gonna do it i don't care you know i i personally think this is nonsense but i'll i'll look into it you know my parents they they like half-heartedly believe this shit when we were growing up but uh they never put it on me i think i stopped going to church when i was like eight and i went to a like a black church you know my mom's black like if i don't know if you've ever been inside of a black church but it's it's an entirely different experience very like it's a lot of like gestures you know a lot of show of appreciation for god you know like they're talking in tongues and like running up and down aisles and shit you know and i got enough of that when i was younger i was like this and your parents didn't force you to go no no they asked you they had enough issues between themselves and their own marriage i don't think they were really paying attention to the kids that much you know like what they're doing they were just happy that we were going to school and we were doing all right and that they could leave us at home alone and be okay you guys weren't messing around Yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know so you know, I told her I'd give it a decent shot and try to like look into it. She gave me some book. I can't remember what it's called, but she begged me to fucking read it. Come to find out her ex-boyfriend gave it to her, who is super religious. <laughs> you know, he played in uh, this band called The Chariot from Atlanta. Oh, yeah. He was a bass player. So, um, 
uh, I'm looking through this book, I'm thumbing through, and it's basically like a like a the Bible for dummies, you know, kind of thing, you know. So uh, I'm going through it. I read like I'm not even gonna lie, like maybe 30 minutes into this thing, and I'm just like, fuck this. I'm just gonna fake it. <laughs> you know, like I'm definitely yeah. not going to get into this. I'll never do it. So I was like, maybe I can just fake it, you know, and just until she like wises up. I feel like the longer we are together, I can kind of introduce like slowly introduce like reality to her and she'll come away from that. So that's what I did for a long time. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm like I'm trying real hard to understand it, you know, I'm like thinking real hard on it. Yeah. You know? And so she back off a little bit and stop worrying about it, you know. But then every now and then, you know, uh it would just kind of like come out, you know, she would she would just kind of see through it, you know, and talk to me and be like, you know, I prayed last night and I'm not sure if God wants us to be together. And I'm like, who the fuck is God? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what yeah. do you mean? Like, oh, so now we can't be together because of this invisible man that I don't believe in, you know, like as dictating the future of our relationship. So you can imagine the type of like, you know, stability or lack thereof that that creates in your relationship, you know? So that was always an issue, you know? And it was, it was never because we didn't love each other. It was never because we didn't have a happy relationship. It was always because the deeper we would get, the closer we would get together, the more we would like fall in love, the more she realized that her family would never approve of this. Mm. And it was like this like dark thing looming behind her. So she just started to hide the relationship from her family. She just like didn't tell them anymore. Wow. You know, and I would always try to push up like, I still want to meet your parents. I know we're different. You know, like I want to meet them. I'm, I'm still trying to learn this shit, you know, like, and then, uh, it just, it just never got any better. And then finally it got to this like head and, and, and we broke up because it just wasn't going to work out. And I was staying with her at the time. And when we broke up, I was just kind of like, okay, well, I don't know if we're going to stay, you know? So I was staying on some friends' couches, you know, trying to figure everything out because we obviously don't want to be in the same place together. And then, uh, so we're doing that, you know, for a couple of weeks and her birthday rolls around and, uh, uh, I just figure I should hang out with her on her birthday. It's, you know, the right thing to do. And we, you know, get together, we go and meet with her friend, this girl, Robin, and, uh, they're like having like this Bible study together at a fucking bar, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm just sitting here like, so I'm getting drunk, you know? So I'm just like sitting next to them having a couple of drinks. And they're talking or whatever. So after all that happens, you know, we go and then immediately she drops the act when Robin leaves, you know, and we start like actually hanging out having a good time. And we're just having a great time, really like celebrating her birthday, just bar hopping, going, you know, walking around the city. And it's we hadn't really hung out in weeks, you know, so it was kind of like we really missed each other. Yeah. You know, so then we go back to her place and we have some very, very serious sex. Nice. You know, and it was great. It was it was awesome. And I knew when it happened. You're that like, oops. I, I Oh, I didn't wear a condom. That was step one wrong. You and shot one past the goalie. Two. Yeah, and then and then when when it happened, I was like, oh no, no, that was not that was that happened. That was in there, <laughs> you know. And I I was drunk though, so I like vaguely remembered. Yeah, that. yeah. And then I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, it'll be all right, you know. So that happens, and then we're dealing with all this stuff from Sergeant House, which is happening, and it's great. You know, we get the news, we're getting emails from them. There, well, they hit us up through Facebook actually. Oh, rad. Which was weird, and I love Sergeant. House. I've loved Sergeant House since I was in high school. Oh, definitely. You know, like, followed them religiously. Yeah. You know, all the bands throughout the entire history of that label. So it's completely unreal to me. I used to be obsessed with, like, Terramellos. Yeah. Uh, Rad. And to to be reached out to by them was just like, maybe there is a god. <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck? You know, so then um, that happens, and it's it's probably one of the best days of my life, you know. And all of this, you know, just, it's a great thing. You know, everybody in the band knows how much I would want this, you know. And we talked over Kathy, and, you know, everything seems, like, so good. And then, you know, I get the news from Corey that I'm going to be a dad. And it just kind of, like, shifted everything, you know. And then I, it was really hard because I had just signed up for, with Kathy, you know, to give her a band. Not to give her, like, okay, yeah, but i got to take some time off because now I'm a dad, you know. I told her. So I would try to do both. And it was really hard, and it happened. It worked out, but it was really tough. You know, so there was this huge time of like preparation after we finished the record. The record was already out. We did some small touring here and there while Corey was like in the, her early stages of pregnancy, just like small, like week long, two week runs for the mostly. EP or the full length for the EP for the EPA. Yeah, yeah, we did like a tour with our buddies in free throw and stuff, and did some like just like weekend runs and stuff like that. But mostly, I wanted to stay home. But uh, things got kind of rough in that period of time where she felt that you know. 
she needed a real support system and she we had this little because i moved back in with her at this point we had this really tiny studio apartment probably about the size of your place you know but not nearly as nice and uh <laughs> i like and, you said tiny though yeah i mean come on <laughs> i know <laughs> and uh for one. Yeah, so exactly pizza for one <laughs> so we um we're living in this really small apartment. We got our dog, Ender, beautiful dog, by the way. And um, uh, I got a picture of him, actually, right here. <laughs> oh. oh, nice. I saw. <laughs> kind of. Um, so. Nice. We're um, he's a Springer Spaniel, by the way. We, uh, we, we're, she's just kind of assessing the space we're in, and she's like, we can't raise a baby in here. There's not even a bedroom for him. Like, what the fuck are we going to do? And she's like freaking out, you know? And I'm just like, well, it's okay. Well, we don't have, we don't have to figure this out for like, you know, nine months. Let's just relax and do it now, you know? And then when your lease is up, we can start looking for a place with more space, you know? Right now, let's just take it slow and just, you know, be here for each other. You're not going to be able to work much, you know, after a certain amount of time. So right now we need to be working as much as we can Mm -hmm. to save for this, you know? So that was not good enough for her. And she snapped and she just kind of like fled back to her parents because that's where she felt safe. And they had always been in some way or another paying a bill for her and not just like a tiny bill, like a cell phone bill. I mean, like a car note Mm -hmm. or something like that or her rent, you know, like they've always been like kind of funneling her money, you know. And so that was like step one where they had kind of like a, a hook on her, you know. And then when they could offer her that stability, you know, that was another thing that she needed that she didn't have faith that I could give her now. I mean, we have that, you know, but, you know, at the time she just didn't believe it was possible so she went back to her family and one of their stipulations for our relationship in order for us to you know like for her at least to to be with them they got a a place really close to where they live like 45 minutes south of atlanta right next to their church and basically just told her come home and stay with us you know and they said we'll pay your rent we'll pay your bills you know and you can work for us at the campus but you know he's not allowed over here so that was kind of the ordeal. And then she left me, you know, and I was just kind of sitting here like, I don't know where the future of our relationship stood or what. My, and she had a baby coming. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't allowed to go over and see. It was really fucked up, you know, like point time. And I'm like, I have all this great stuff going on in music, you know, but at the same time, I'm like not in the headspace to enjoy it. You know, I'm like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And if I'm going to be able to, what am I going to have to do to be involved in my kid's life? At the time, I didn't know it was a boy. So, you know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of stuck in a really hard situation and I'm, I'm trying to like talk to her and she's communicating to me one thing and then she's communicating to her parents an entirely different thing. So to me, she's telling me, you know, Hey, I love you. I want to be with you, but they won't let me be with you. You know, all of this. And then to them, she's saying like, I don't want to be with him. Like that he's bad for us. Like, you know, we need this, you know, and she's just playing both sides because she didn't want to disappoint anyone. And to me, this is just like really fucking me up. You know, so I'm, I'm growing really resentful of her family at this time. Yeah. You know? Like I hate them. And, and I just try to let go of this, you know, now, but it's really tough, you know, cause they, they robbed me of a lot of really special experiences in my life, you know, like those like months where she was pregnant and we were supposed to be spending time together you know yeah. I mean, we were on like the track to have like a top like percentile relationship yeah you know like we just had a good relationship going from the beginning and then this one thing happened and it kind of like tore it apart you know and we were just you know it was it was really hard to bounce back i don't think we have bounced back from everything so you know all of this is going on. I'm trying to like figure out like visitation to see her. We got to meet in like public places or she's like driving up to Atlanta to come see me. Cause I don't have a fucking car. I'm living in the city. I'm like walking or biking yeah. everywhere, you know, like that's just my life. And now we're like uprooting my life back to like where I lived when I was 16. And you know, like I had, had I the record been written by then. Uh, this one. No. <laughs> so that's, I, I, I'm kind of seeing these parallels where yeah. your parents, yeah, not, you know yeah. there's like you're kind of on your own there yeah you've got your band that feels like it's on its own yeah because there hasn't there's no focus to it and then yeah. your personal life with your girlfriend yeah and i'm trying to do that you're trying to do yeah. all three of them <laughs> like, but isn't that a great <laughs> uh outlet to write about that yeah if you can find the time you know that was what that was a lot of um of what i did what was going on at the time is i would just you know i'd be at home pretty fucking depressed and just you know drinking by myself or something you know and yeah. just like putting together songs and on the phone with Corey, just like because she was fine on the phone we'd talk and she'd come up and see me but i was not allowed in her world 
Wow. You know, after we found out we were having a baby, basically this was like this thing that our family made her to feel ashamed of, you know, and that they should, she should not try to involve herself any further with it and that she just needs to accept what she did, you know, like just really like not a positive environment for her. Yeah. You know, so I'm like here in this situation where I'm trying to be positive and trying to be there, but I'm also starting to, to, to resent her for not standing up for me. You know, and not putting her foot down and saying no, and not trusting me mm-hmm. to be able to like take care of a child with her. You know, and it was it was offensive, and it really hurt me because I didn't have you know I I, I wanted to do this. I was okay with that. I've always wanted to have a child. I mean, it came a lot earlier than expected, but I, you know, I, these are things that I was looking forward to doing. You know, like prepping to have a baby, yeah, you know, like preparing the baby room. You know, shopping for clothes. You know, spending time with my family. You know, like this was supposed to be like that experience, but we didn't get that experience really. I mean, it was. Uh, up until she popped you know that uh that i was able we were we kind of broke that dynamic you know because like i said all right i didn't say um even in the operating room like they wouldn't her sisters did not call me and tell me that she was like having atticus you know they didn't tell me she went into labor so uh, I found out through my friend Travis, who we're actually staying with tomorrow night or tonight. Oh, right. Um, he lives in New Jersey. That she she had just went into labor because uh, one of her sisters posted it on like her social media or something like that. And then Travis calls me like, "Yo, congratulations!" You know, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm at work." And he's like, "Atticus, yeah, Corey went into labor." And I said, "No one fucking called me, man. Wow. I'm at work right now. Like, what do you mean?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, your son's about to be born." And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no, I'm not kidding you. No one told you? I was like, no one has called me, Travis. No one has even tried to contact me and let me know this is going on. He's like, okay, well, tell your work you got to go. I'll come pick you up right now. We'll drive down to fucking Peachtree City, which is like 45 minutes to an hour from where I work, to go see her. So I'm fucking flying down the highway. I'm yeah. breaking laws here, like getting there, <laughs> you know, like driving, going nuts. And and we get to the hospital. We pass the hospital. We fucking make an illegal U-turn through a grass median, go back, go into the hospital. I don't even know where the fuck I'm going. So I just run inside. I'm like, where's my turn? Where where are the babies being born? You know, she's like, you go up third floor, down the hallway, talk to the receptionist. She'll tell you where to go. Tell you you're looking for. So I get into the elevator. I go upstairs. I'm like, all right, Travis, this is where I gotta leave you. You know, and I go in there and I see her father in the waiting room. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Uh, Where's Corey? And they're like, she's in the operating room. I'm like, all right, I want to go back there. You know, like I want to be in the room. And they're like, okay, yeah, you should be able to go back there. So I go back there with the nurse. And nurse walks me to the operating room, and they go to open the door, and then her sister comes to the door very quickly and says, "No, you need to keep this door closed." Talking to the nurse, and I said, "No, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to watch. I'm gonna, you know, I want to, you know, be a part of this." And they're like, "Oh no, no, there's already too many people in here." I'm like, "Well, then you need to get the fuck out." Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, sorry, guest you know? list. And I can hear Corey. She's like in labor, screaming. She's going, "Where's Aaron? Where oh, is wow. Aaron?" And I'm just like. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, like, I'm not talking to her like this, but you know, like, know this has got to be a joke. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I know you guys are irrational, but you're not this crazy, right? <laughs> no, they are. They, they kicked me out of the operating room. Wow. Yeah, they closed the door in my fucking face. So then I'm just sitting in the operating room, and I'm just pissed. I'm steaming. You know, like, what the fuck? Call my mom, and I'm like... Yeah, oh, sorry, the waiting room. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking, I'm really pissed off, you know, and I'm just like sitting there by myself. At this point, her dad's like gone, got coffee, and I don't really, I don't talk to him anyway. I like Greg. Her dad's actually a really nice guy. He's just kind of dumb, you know, but, you know, whatever. So, um, we're sitting here, and we're all like, you know, or me and this receptionist lady are just sitting there, and she's like, yeah, you want like a magazine or something? And I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, just sit here and wait. Luckily, it was only like a 45-minute delivery, so it was pretty quick. That's good. They came out and grabbed me, and they're like, all right, you can come in the room now. So I go in there, and I'm like filled with rage when I'm walking in this room, and I'm thinking like, I might like throw a chair at one of them. And then I walk in, and I see my kid. Yeah, and yeah. like so tiny and just you know beautiful and i pick him up and i'm just like okay this is all better yeah and then after that they just kind of disappeared because i realized that they could not separate this right here because Corey was right there and we were both staring at the same baby you know and they weren't gonna be able to come between that and i think that's when they realized that they're they could only stop this so much because then we had three days in the hospital after atticus was born where we like stayed together and we shared she slept in the hospital bed and I kind of slept on a couch you know back and forth between the bed with her and stuff and Atticus was just in this little like you know like 
table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure it doesn't. Yeah, fall. It doesn't roll around and stuff. And you know, I was trying to let her sleep, and I was I couldn't even sleep. I was just like looking at him all the time, you know, because it's like it's unreal. Yeah, it's like you know. So you know, that was a really good point. I she doesn't remember a lot of the the hospital afterwards. I do though. You know, and um, I mean, it was it was just a good time. We like sat together, watched TV, like ate. You know, I'd go out and get her whatever junk food she wanted. You know, <laughs> now she's not funneling this shit to a baby. You know, and uh, it was a good time. And then after that, you know, we still had to walk back into a pretty shitty situation. You know, her parents still were paying her rent. You know, and they had previously let her go from her job that she was she worked for her parents she was a teacher at this like christian school and when she got pregnant she started to show they told her that she, that she probably shouldn't work there anymore because it was a bad look <laughs> you know <laughs> okay you know like, yeah welcome to the south so, so they really made her pretty dependent on her money so now she's we get out of the hospital she's she's in this house and um uh they're paying all the bills and they tell her you know I can't come over unless uh, it's a chaperone visit. Like if they go with me over there to make sure like everything is fine or whatever. So I'm like, what are you all of this? And you're still doing this, you know? And they just, they really don't want me to fucking be there. You know, they want me to be this deadbeat piece of shit, dad. And they really don't want me to be in this child's life. And at that point, I just kind of I was I was fed up, and I didn't want to let my mom know what was going on because my mom is is very you know aggressive when she has to be. She you know she's a diva, so she was going to go in there and raise hell if she knew everything they had been doing. So I didn't know who else to turn to, and none of my friends could help me. You know, they could just offer advice, you know, but nothing. They couldn't change the situation, and I was like, I'm not going to do this. He he was just born. I'm not going to. Oh, so now I can't go see him unless I call you guys first and schedule uh, an appointment. You know, like no, what the fuck? This is my child. Yeah, you know. So so we obviously I snuck over there several times without their knowledge, you know, and just went there anyway. And they had like the neighbors like watching the house to make sure I didn't come over there. I, I, I can't make this shit up. <laughs> so then I tell my mom what's going on and she's like, Oh, Oh no. Uh, I want you to come to my house right now. I go to her house and she's like, I haven't been upstairs in years. She's got two rooms up there, but, and they're probably filthy and you need to go clean them both out. Cause Corey and Atticus are just going to move in the house with me. So that's what I did. I went upstairs and I cleaned both of these rooms out, you know, and got them like pretty, Nice, and then we just told her parents basically to go fuck themselves. You know, moved all of her stuff into those two rooms and whatnot. And her and Atticus lived there until you know he was like, a you know like probably like six, seven months old. And then that gave me time because at this point I'm living in a house now with a couple friends. It gave me time for my lease to get done with. And then once Corey got a job and she was able to work again, and we started to work everything out, we moved in together, and we still live in the same place now. You know, right. It's only been two and a half years and uh i mean ever since then there's obviously been a lot of you know battles you know and i don't really talk to her family anymore after everything that happened but you know we we work on it it's a daily thing you know some days i feel like we're in love still and some days you know i still think about everything that happened and it's hard not to look at her and be like why didn't you say something you know why didn't yeah. you try to change Those the feelings situation are still there. yeah and i know she feels really guilty about everything because every time you know she we have those same fights and she's like you know like i feel like you hate me you know sometimes because i'm not nearly as enthusiastic about our relationship as i was at the beginning but uh but it's it's gotten better you know and uh yeah i mean that's that's what that's about you know so so when did the when were the songs being put together throughout the throughout time. that time so the, I, and then is the record kind of like is there is there a little um concept to it yeah the, it wasn't it wasn't very conceptual it wasn't like okay we're gonna tell the story in this order or anything like that it was just kind of like every you know things that come and i would just want to write music or you know basically like you know, at those low points, you know, I'm just messing around on the guitar, and then the idea would start here, you know. And I had a lot of free time, Tom, you know, while all this stuff was going on, and I wasn't allowed to be over there. You know, I'm just sitting in my house just working on music on my computer, you know, and this is just the stuff that was coming out, you know. So it just kind of, like, became that. There were some songs on the record that were... Um, really old songs too, like songs that are, that there have nothing to do with what we just talked about. You know that, like uh, "Take Me Home." That's a really old song that we just never really Dumb. did. Yeah, and um, yeah, the opening track. That was probably one of the first songs I ever wrote on guitar when I was like 
15, 16. I mean, if you look back, if you can find it, we've got some old music online under a different band name. And uh, well, there's uh, another version of the opening track. Is that when? Is that when you emailed me? Who emailed me like years ago? Mm. I emailed you. A, a, I've seen this. I mean, emailed you a while back. It was probably. I don't know. It wasn't years. This I think for some I, reason I thought it was like a long time ago. It was. I the furthest back it could have been was like. Well, how long's the record been out? A month. Yeah. It's probably been like four months at the most honestly. Oh, okay i <laughs> yeah. feel like there was maybe it was someone from sergeant house when it happened i there's something i'll remember but yeah regardless it was fun to kind of hear yeah. getting a response yeah. and then because a lot i get a ton of emails yeah and then to kind of have that come in um and you guys hey check this out and then like later that day you know getting another reminder from someone else about it so yeah it might have been about uh it might have been about the ep because that's more it's probably the EP. Because somebody might have said something. Because it's the EP is more like I guess yeah. twinkly or whatever, and it's kind of like American football esque or whatever. So maybe yeah. somebody else said something. But I haven't been in the band. I wasn't in the band when they did that record. Oh, okay, I've only been in the band for I think almost almost two years now, something like that. That's so, eons. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Well, we've, <laughs> we've known each other for a very long time. Rad. Like Luke and I have known each other since. We I could kids. tell when you guys were playing. Yeah, <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> uh, all of us actually, except Tom, who's our um, our fill-in guitarist on this tour, which we've known him for a long time too. Like probably what's like two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. Were there records early on that you guys connected on? Um, yeah, uh, I was actually going to say when I first met Aaron, I remember vividly. We had a mutual friend, uh, this girl named Sage, because uh, I used to go to the town he grew up in, uh, Peachtree City. It's about 40 minutes from my hometown in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go up there and hang out with like the same crew that we're still friends with to this day. And uh, I remember hanging out in one of my first memories of like me and Aaron being friends, being at this girl Sage's house, and him showing me Tara Malos on, on MySpace. Like, Rad. I don't even know if they were signed at this point. I don't even know if they are on Sergeant House. They just had, like, some songs thrown up on Rad. MySpace. And that's, like, one of my first memories of us hanging out. Because I, I meant to say that earlier when he was talking about loving Sergeant House and Terra Malos. That's, like, one of my first. I had to be 15. Yeah. That's nine years ago now. Yeah. So Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Was there other stuff that you guys sort of connected on? Uh, musically? I think so. I mean, we just grew up in the same music scene, you know, like we watched the same bands kind of start and end, you know, we drew a lot of influences from the older guys that were doing stuff before us. But then I think there was definitely a moment where we all just kind of realized, you know, that there was more to it than what they were doing. A lot of the bands that we were like influenced by when we were younger was a ton of metal bands, a lot of shitty metal bands, you know, that's so, how I started. Yeah. Shitty metal. Yeah. It was just like, you know, that's what was around us. Yeah. It was sort I know, of, that's exactly. We love that. We, what I think I took from it is I really love the community. I love the idea that all my friends are going to be in this one place, dancing to the same music and just like being really supportive. And it made me want to be in a band and start a band. And I, it took me a long time to like, but that idea together. of community yeah. Yeah. you wanted it to be friendship yeah the sound was like not mm-hmm. secondary but yeah. it's like you just want to hang yeah you just want to have a, a place to do that you yeah know? i was just gonna say it's like we kind of grew up and we wanted we were just different like we were we weren't you know we grew up in you know middle class suburbs and we weren't like everybody else so anything that was alternative to you know to what we you know saw every day exactly that must have seemed like that's all we saw it was like this is different i have to do this yeah so there wasn't like oh we weren't right there's nothing to hear besides what was around us so there's just metal and we were like well this is different you know let's just be involved and that's where we met everybody you know everybody we still know to this day i get i mean that's that really important part about a community i went to mean school in north carolina where there was I'll, I'll sound like a grandfather, but like I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter. But you knew if this band, if Hot Water was playing at the Cradle, well, everyone will be there. Yeah. You didn't worry about tickets selling out. You just knew that that's where you're going to see everybody, and you're going to go hang. And whatever happens, happened after. Yeah. And I miss that. I loved that sort of like not plan plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where, you know? We would just hang out all day and like. 
you know, there wouldn't even tickets, you know, we would just go to these Roll churches in. that would put on shows. You threw them some cash that I don't even know where we got the cash. Yeah. Sometimes we just scrounge up change, yeah. you know, yeah, I can think of a few places. and then they just mark <laughs> your hand and you're in, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you, you know, if they gave us these, you know, little, little wristbands, go to Walgreens or Walmart buy these wristbands if we we're broke and go to the show. Yeah. But I think that's the, the part, you know, with, I mean, if we can bring up the word emo, like the scene kind of had these moments where it got super big mm-hmm. and it kind of, the you know, the word got watered down. Yeah. But you guys coming from that point of it's community, it's my friends, yeah. you can't, we're making you can't this music, yeah. you can't fake that. Yeah. yeah. Well, about saying, you know, the word emo being watered down, it's like the funny thing is, is that, you know, I just turned 24. So like when I was 14, what emo was was you know that shit it yeah was, it was my chemical romance and stuff like that and i i love a lot of those bands that were quote-unquote emo or so whatever. do i like and you know i was like oh this is emo and then like as you know you kind oh, of found you dug deeper yeah of course you know i was into that when i was like you know i started playing music in fourth grade from those bands and then you know i found like metal and like this community or whatever and i still love those bands obviously and then as i started finding metal and then hardcore and stuff like that you learn to look back and where those came from. So you do the same thing with emo bands, you know? You look back at what they were listening to. Yeah. And what you, was, like, those first few that... Like, the first few emo bands? Like, even that, but then also, what were some of those connectors? Like, which one were you, like... Because someone would tell me, back in the day, someone's like, you gotta check out, like, you know, Bad Brains and Murphy's Law. And it took me a while. Because I wanted Snapcase and Strife and, like, yeah. these kind of, like, metally ones. And it, sometimes when you hear an older band, it sounds old. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, is this a, like, are you talking reference to like hardcore stuff like that or like whatever? No, I mean you finding that apex of like, here's a hardcore band or here's a metal band. Here's a hardcore band. And then you start going down that trail. For me, yeah. it was looking at the back of CDs and looking at friends and the bands reference. You have the power of the internet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I went from metal to, to hardcore just cause that seems to be the yeah. logical progression for everybody. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's hardcore and emo are so intertwined that you can't you can't get one without the other so it's like you go to any hardcore show you're going to see plenty of emo shirts and then i don't know i think i i think the first time i heard about any emo band it was i was probably like 16 or 17 and and i watched like a title fight interview and he like mentioned like uh like uh seaweed or something like that so i checked out seaweed and that led me to sam i am that led me to you know all that that whole genre of you know, stuff like that i mean obviously i already love jimmy world because they blew up and stuff like that so i think that was my first look back is you know i was into hardcore and then taught a fight and said something about seaweed and then i i didn't i just thought jimmy world was a big rock band i had no idea you know look they back, had this past that they had this past of like being involved with punk and uh you know playing with you know christy front drive and stuff like that and what was that like? Like the, the I sometimes have those moments where I try to remember back and like remember when I didn't know and I heard something and now I already knew what you guys looked like. I already knew what you sounded like when I rolled up to the show. I loved the unknown, yeah. but for you finding about these bands for the first time, listening to seaweed, having no context, yeah. was it kind of like were these little sparks going off? It was for me. It was just like. It was like there's more of this, you know. There's like it was like a it was like a treasure trove. I was like, uh, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> like if someone did this, yeah, if heard this, you know. If it starts here. It's it, there's there's somebody that did it already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking seaweed is a gateway drug, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, I was like, oh, I found these two awesome bands. Like Sam I Am is like one like one of my like top five favorite bands, and I was like. I was like, this is wonderful because I basically just discovered this treasure box of like a hundred bands plus that I could fall in love with. Cause I, at that point I'd been like, I just need to find something new. So I was like, so stoked. Cause I was like, there's going to be out of this, like a hundred plus bands that could be in this whole branch off of these bands. I'm going to at least find, Yeah. even if I found three, that's exciting. But you know, I've just, it seems like every six months I'll find something else and, fall in love with it you know that's what the part that i kind of dug that it sort of had another life and when i heard about 09 and 10 2010 it was like these bands were referencing Mm -hmm. older stuff it it blew my mind yeah i was like wait a minute 
how did they find it? <laughs> That's why I asked them, like, yeah. how did that happen? Because yeah. if you were around... MySpace had a lot to do with it. There were a ton yeah. of MySpace pages that were dedicated to bands that were no longer around. Like, I found Ghost and Vodka through MySpace, and that was just kind of, like, amazing to me. This, like, instrumental yeah. like, math rock, emo stuff. And then that kind of led me to, like, the Kinsella Brothers and American Football, Captain Jazz, Jonah Wall. And then that's a whole world. And then that's just... <laughs> that in itself is, like, this own, like, subgenre <laughs> of emo that is just... Very incestual. Everybody's in everybody's band. The Kinsella Brothers, especially, are in everybody else's bands. Are in, you know, it's really crazy. And then that kind of pushed me into like a weird direction through MySpace. I found so much music that I still love today. Like a lot of like more noisy stuff, like a band called Foot, if you've ever heard of them. No. It's spelled with a P H U T. Awesome band. Of course, it's, it's instrumental. <laughs> It's instrumental, but it's just really... Or have you heard of Yowie? No. Okay, just check these out, Tom. If you like... are they What What time were these guys around? Oh, early or late 90s, early 2000s, you know? Okay. Just right around the... Like, See, I don't know everything. End of that, you know? <laughs> Very interesting shit, though, if you yeah. like the... None, just stream of thought songwriting process, you no, know? No, in, the instrumental, like, scream, noise, I'm all over that. Yeah, Aaron was Aaron was definitely in on the ground floor that kind of stuff. When Aaron was getting into all this, all that kind of stuff, like we were hanging out. But like, I was so like at this point we we're like fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was like I was playing in metal bands and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, he was trying to show me this stuff, and I, I was like, no, I just want you know metal. But Aaron has been just like he's been you know listening to those bands and trying to show everybody this kind of stuff way before we even wanted to hear it. You know, so. He you, was, need, you need that friend. Yeah, yeah, everybody has that friend. I think I have a friend. I think I've got a few people like that in my life. Yeah. He's always showing me something that I'm like, this is why I love you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was deep in that MySpace hole of like, just like, no, top man. eight, next top, top eights, eight, man. next top eight, next top eight, like deep in that hole. God, if they, if MySpace figured it out, right? Yeah, and I wish it was, was all there. there. I wish there was still that. They fucked it up. And then I know. They fucked it up. And then they <laughs> fucked it way they up. Fucked it up, man. Yeah, I wish they could bring that back. I wish that Facebook would create some sort of like, uh, I not necessarily like profile songs and things like that, but they would be more communal with the music and like push people in other directions with people's music. Like, don't give the band a choice not to endorse this other band. Or yeah, like, do this. It's like okay, well, if you like this, you like this constantly suggest things and not based on like what they think you would like you know do you remember um you guys know, know the band chiotos yeah so i worked one of their records and i was at mtv as an indie label yeah trying to convince them to play it and i threw stats at them yeah. i go here's how many uh, i sh- i I picked bands of similar that they're already playing and I showed them their MySpace numbers. Yeah. And then I showed them Chiodos and I showed them the difference. Yeah. And then I got the ad. And but at like, that point they oh, weren't looking at those numbers. Yeah. Oh, so it's not like, now, like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that top eight stuff of if you went to Hot Water and they had propaganda. You were like, who's that? Yeah. And then you kind of start. It was kind of like Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. Like you were putting on for your friends too. But it's then like, that first song got popped up. Yeah. Which was so huge. Yeah. I wish it was still that easy today, you know, to kind of like a little easier, you know, to kind of push it. You're right. I mean, I I always that's a really good point because I always complain that it was harder. I honestly think it's harder now that I think about it more with you guys being Mm -hmm. like, you're a band today, trying to cut through the noise. So much already. So much. You know, there's so much going on. It's almost like a just fruitless to try you know you might as well just have fun and enjoy it if you're if you're trying to make money doing this you're probably in it for the wrong thing i mean we obviously yeah you, you know, want to make a we want to make you a got, you got, out of it. we don't want to be got mean, atticus well, yeah i got a kid you know i want to be able to justify being gone for a month at a time to do this stuff and i think hopefully one day we'll be able to but you know if you if that's where your head is you're yeah. probably not going to get there you know at least it's you're going to be very disappointed you know, at the slow, how yeah. slow it takes to get to that point. You know, I look at like our friends uh, in Microwave, they've been doing their band just as long as we've been doing ours, you know, but, you know, obviously we had some, some hiccups and things within the path that yeah. stopped us from, you know, just upward trajectory. And they've been going as long as we have, you know, and I think that we were pretty comparable to them and still are to some degree. But they've, they, and even in the grand scheme of things, they've no, not reached success. But, you know, they do really well now. And that, it still doesn't mean anything. You know, like they're, they're a band and they can sell like $1,000 in merch in one night and, you know, get like a great guarantee, you know, and kids will come see them. But That's at the end of the day, it, 
at the end of the day, when you pay off everything and pay for, you know, the, the pay back your merch, pay back, you know, all like the cost. The, all the costs with gas, everything, food, everything. You really don't. You could have just stayed home and worked in a fucking kitchen, you know, and probably made more money <laughs> and probably made more money. Yeah. And then not had to like do all this like grueling, like travel and, and, and just navigating everywhere and just feeling it's dangerous to travel, you know, especially like nighttime driving, you know. So sometimes, you know, it, it feels like it's not worth it, you know, and, but then we get to the place we're playing the show and we play a great show and they're like okay yeah okay that's fine yeah you know and then you know the we free meal free beer you know so if you're trying to make money i just don't recommend that anyone goes into the music industry at this point probably need a couple of years off for people to stop caring and then they're gonna be like oh yeah that stuff that people used to do they used to play guitars or something like that yeah <laughs> Yeah. So why why you guys? Uh, I mean, I know why you love the music. You want to mm, do it, but yeah. are there any other things that you guys have all talked about? Because you all have to be on the same page. You've got four relationships yeah. in the van at all times, yeah. six trying right to make now. it work. Six, with, you know, <laughs> yeah. with more people. Yeah. But uh, have you guys thought about? You yeah, know, we talked talk about, about our that? future. We talk about like what we want to do. I know. I think it more important to anyone in the band it's probably our drummer he's got a lot on the line with like he's in a lot of debt with you know student loans and whatnot and he he really sacrificed a lot to be a part of this band and he's probably easily the most talented person in this band oh, for sure. <laughs> he's fantastic last yeah. night incredible. so you know for him i think my primary goal when i'm doing this is i'm like i just want to make sure jimmy can pay his bills <laughs> you know i just want to make sure he yeah, doesn't have I'll, to i'll slum it i'll, yeah, slum yeah, it I'll just fucking figure it out yeah but I, we'll uh, do whatever to have we jimmy. need you so much <laughs> You know? I'll throw Jimmy some money. For yeah, him, you know, he'll keep going. With you. Yeah, you know, like I, but I think we all we all are on the same page. We know our goals. We know what we want to do as a band, and we kind of like try to like gas each other up or keep each other like pretty like high in the morale of, you know, like you know maybe tonight wasn't that great. Maybe we didn't do as well as we thought we would, and you know get rid of a lot of merch. But you know tomorrow's gonna be better. You know the show, the more people are gonna come. You know the sound's gonna be better at this venue. We try to like stay, you know, just patting each other on the back you know like and same thing with like because what else are you gonna do yeah exactly yeah. you know you're living a dream i yeah, think honestly yeah. that's why i was yeah. sitting there last night next to my best friend in the world shane i didn't know if you met him last night he's i didn't tattooer that's on tour with us he's uh got glasses big beard oh i didn't see him okay so i remember i was sitting next to him last night i had a few drink at this point but i'm looking at microwave and they're just like killing it and people are going nuts and i just thinking back on our set had a great time big jesus had a great time and i'm just like yeah we have the coolest lives right easily you know i mean we could i could find things to complain about but i mean honestly this is great i call my girlfriend and she's just sitting at home watching netflix like yeah you know just sitting there i'm like oh yeah that's cool i'm in new york at this cool venue drinking with my (laughs) friends watching like you know like this but you have to do that sometimes (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that sometimes people forget when you either get a certain vantage point or it's not happening i've talked to so many people over you know it's like well, we put out a record and no one cared. I'm like, well, sometimes it's the seventh it's record. Like sometimes that, yeah. it's the fifth or the yeah. first. It, yeah. There's no like right it, way. If if you went in it just to think it's going to be tour buses yeah. and like. Yeah. No. Good luck. You're, you're doing it for the wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we can stay level headed with each other too. Is that me? Like we just lost a guitar player. Uh, he's been playing music for a long time. So he's just kind of like, you know, wanted to chill a little bit. So now it's just me, Jimmy and Aaron and you know we've known jimmy the same amount me and aaron have you know aaron knew jimmy before i knew him so mm-hmm. we our relationship is so fa- well founded now after knowing each other for so long we don't have to like kind of learn each other you know because i played in bands where i met yeah. the person six months before we started our band we're well past the honeymoon stage and all that shit. yes we're, like, we're comfortable enough with we're each like other yeah into this that's great yeah so yeah. I think which we, shows as a band. Yeah, we, at least we don't feel the need to like you know walk on eggshells around yeah. each other. I'll fucking fart in his face. Yeah, you know, or call like, him out or call each other out. Yeah, or, yeah. Or and you could have a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's honestly the the first time like we went on tour or the first flu U.S. that we did, it was a lot more hectic because of that. Because the dynamic in the band was we had these two people that we weren't that familiar with. Now we're very familiar with them, and they were just kind of these outsiders that we were bringing into this project that we had already done. You know, and they were just kind 
kind of like jumping in at the last minute because yeah. we needed some people to be in the band because we couldn't keep a like lineup held down because nobody wants to commit to some up and coming emo band that really doesn't have anything to show for itself. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, do you want to go on tour for two months instead of working? And we're probably not going to make any money. Yeah, you know, no, any. But like, you never know what might happen. Instead, not going to do that. But know? instead of sitting at home and having Netflix on, which is yeah. no problem, I'm going to watch Stranger Things. Um, yeah, uh, I fell asleep trying Spoiler to watch alert. it. I was so bummed. <laughs> but you're you're out there trying it. Um, yeah. I, so I think that's a good thing. I was going to ask. I know that. Um, let me ask a different way instead of bringing him up. I was going to say the word and being associated with it. Yeah. You know, there's a stigma to it still, mm-hmm. which. Okay that's all I've been trying to do the last 20 years is, is to make sure people understand the, yeah. the whole thing versus yeah. if you ask 10 people out on the street what they think it is. They mm-hmm. think hair. They think mm-hmm. yeah. clothes. They don't was, know, though. They really don't. They, but they don't know. So as so a band saying them. it, I have prime So are you okay with the word being associated with your band? Yeah, I, I'm okay with the word because I know what the word means. Yeah. You know, I'm not okay with that people don't know what it means and that they immediately assume that we sound this particular way or they, they to put Lava in with Malcor and shit like that, you know, uh, just right out of the gate. I've got this guy I work with, Mark, and he's like an older black guy you wouldn't think would listen to emo music. And I wouldn't either, you know, just generally just cultural differences, you know. So I put on the new brand new album at work and he comes up to me and he says, who is this? And I go, it's brand new. It's this really awesome band. Yeah. He's like, this is great. So we listen to the record, and he's like, will you send me this record? Will you like send it to me? He doesn't know how to like do you know, a lot yeah. of stuff on his cell phone. So I like send him the record, and he's just, every day I work with him, he puts the same record on. He just listens to it. And that says something. That yeah, says that, something that, that, that your connected. music transcends like, cultural boundaries. You know? and, and to be able to just label this as like, you know, emo, you know, it's really, you know, like, it's, it's, pull, it's, it's pigeonholing. It's deeper. Uh, it's so much deeper than that. If you, if you really want to get to the core of like, a lot of this, music you know like yeah it is it is emo music but emo is so vast oh, yeah. it's so huge to say that it's just that emo in itself is a blanket statement to what people are doing there's so many like sub genres that you don't have the time to describe the differences so we just call it emo yeah and if you can't like tell that that word on the surface is just you know or that there's all those connections yeah. that you hear you hear a Midwest band yeah. and you're like, okay, cool. I hear those connections. Oh, you hear a California, yeah. San Diego. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. it's, and I guess that's, that's education and you're not going to get everybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're not going to get everyone that's going to be mm-hmm. in, but you hope that yeah. the word over time, yeah. someone's going to, it'll shift and the definition will go back to its original state. Cause it's more of a mentality than it is like a, of like, having, and, like and, a, and a community yeah, and a community. Yeah. yeah it's I like, mean, all emo is, is, basically indie rock with with mm-hmm. punk yeah you know, ideals yeah punk characteristics yeah i think know? when people yes. kind of like detach the like negative connotations that they've attached to emo the word emo and a lot of that came about in like the mid and like 2000s you know where a lot of bands you know that were pretty hard to watch you know coming around you know kind of took that and, and took control you know remember all the scene kids and stuff like that you know they kind of like shifted the direction of that like the hot topic you know mall core type stuff and I think a lot of people that was like pushing their faces as this is what emo is and they don't know the history behind this so they just take that on the surface as a, a bunch of angsty teens which it is but you know yeah. what I take it as I take it as the the comedy at the oscars mm-hmm. it's not respected yeah you could have the greatest comedy and it's not going to win up against the drama the yeah. indie rock yeah, or exactly. the punk thing yeah. even metal yeah um and that's the part that kind of kills me that yeah. instantly in someone's head it's a dumb kid with mascara yeah and which fine but that's somehow the only thing people think about yeah, and i yeah. think that affects when you guys pick when you guys say sometimes people don't want to be on this podcast or don't want to be associated because, with the site they yeah. get fucking bummed out when i get stoked on a band because it's scary because in the same respect that you know we everyone respect anybody that listens to your podcast knows that you know a lot about what you're talking about you know and they respect that it's another thing there's a lot of people that don't understand the email community a lot of but you know at the same time i don't care about keeping or having those fans anybody that's going to preconceive 
receive our music before they listen to it. So it's not nearly as as you're right. It's going back to that fan. Yeah. That fan's yeah. not going to come on board. Yeah, they're never. They were never going to. You know, maybe they. They're on to like, the next genre. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah. Anyway. No, it's so it's definitely. I don't mind weeding those people out. You know, if they want to go ahead and, and make preconceived notions about us or like treat us a different way, they probably do a lot of other things that I don't approve of. Yeah, so. it's so it's so easy to listen to music now too. It's like. Oh, this you know you hear. Oh, Bliss is an emo band. Like instead of just writing it off, then just put the record on for literally thirty seconds. And if you like the way it sounds for thirty seconds, yeah, keep listening. If don't, if not, just turn it off. It's yeah, so easy. Like, you don't have to go buy the record, put it in your CD player or record player. Yeah, you can push a YouTube. button. You can push your phone screen. Yeah, <laughs> for, you have to. You can hold down the fo- the the, button. the preview button. Yeah, right? the preview button on Spotify and listen to like the middle of the song for ten seconds. If it sucks. So you keep going. Just see keep, you later, yeah, whatever. Man. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's plenty of bands that even Aaron likes it. Like, yeah, then no, I'm just like, I'm just like nah. You know? But I think back to that root of the you guys are cool with it, and that if someone gets it, rad. Yeah, focus on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we said to somebody the other day. Said I think somebody asked us at uh, the New North Carolina show, like, who is your target audience for the people that want that? Did you want to listen to your band? I said, yeah. Yeah, whoever's willing to yeah, listen. Yeah, whoever's willing to listen to it. Yeah, because you know? it. Well, I also too the sometimes I think in the two thousands where it was like you went to this tour and every band sounded the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was like, well, we gotta fucking jam out as many bands that sound yeah. like this. Go, 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 yeah, go, go. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is working. But yeah. like, I tell this story where one of the first, the second time I saw Dashboard was opening up for like Snapcase and I think a bunch of hardcore bands. Yep. And he played by himself. And it was like, that was cool. Yeah. And people were like, I think as a fan of music, they want people sitting out there want to hear different things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You need, and variety. that's that community yeah. part. And it can still be within the same genre. It can still be under. It can all connect. Like umbrella, but you know, there's just there's it's it's the same thing with like alternative scene, you know, and like grunge. And there were so many bands that were doing this like kind of music, but yeah. in different ways, you know. Yeah. And somehow they escaped the stigma, you know, or have their own, you know. Yeah, stigma. I feel like I feel like you know the tour we're on now. I mean, we. It could all be under the same umbrella, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. if you really want to, I mean, you can make the umbrella as wide as you want. Yeah. You know, there's guitars, yeah. but like, <laughs> but like punk, to, it's like these kids. It's kids and it's punk, yeah. and you're figuring shit out. Yeah, and it's just alter- like I said earlier <laughs> about like I was just searching for anything that was alternative to what I was seeing every day when I went to start going to metal shows. It's like you could say the same thing about the tour we're on now. You know, it's you know from us to Big Jesus to Microwave. There's a huge sound change oh yeah but it could definitely all, but it could all be under the same um, umbrella and yeah you, know, you can get something different from each band so i think and also the fact that we all work so closely together too like we all like we're from the same city we're in the same friend groups we all like influence each it's other the top eight tour, dude. you know yeah, it is it's the top eight tour <laughs> yeah. So Microwave and Big Jesus would be on our topic. I feel like that's why we so naturally like. Or that's at least good. I, I like where we where we are, you know, together because you know we we all just respect each other as musicians. You know, I feel like this tour fits because it's supposed to fit. You know, yeah. I we I couldn't think of another band that we would throw in there to replace any of the other bands on this tour. You know, it just yeah. wouldn't make the same amount of sense. And we just everybody on the tour is so cool. Like we're all great friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. That's right. Actually, speaking of, whenever we leave, I'm going to change our Twitter name to Bliss Parentheses on tour now. <laughs> for, the, for the MySpace, right. for, for the MySpace right. I remember we at EVR we would make MySpace pages for, for the, the tour, tour. Yeah. and then like after it was done, it would look so dumb. But you, we were like, why did we have to do this and beg all these people to? You know, put yeah. our tour on their top eight. Yeah. That was so archaic. Advertising. Yeah. <laughs> it's Advertising. Strange. We back, need to get yeah. street teams, dude. Yeah, That's what we need to bring team. back. I was thinking about that. Maybe we should just. The boys street team. We had an EVR street team person. Run. We had someone that was part of their job. Yeah, yeah. Sending out the posters. Out and stuff. Yeah. I was street team for Revelation, and I forget the other label I was street team for. A couple. Yeah. I was, I was probably on a street team for a couple bands that I did. I street team Title Fight. For. I did. They sent me a ton of posters. Sorry, guys. I did not put any of them out. I gave them all to my fucking friends that's because. Just, well, that's friends. That's fine. Yeah. That's just as cool. Yeah. Man. That's just as cool. Because like, I mean, they gave me a stack of really sick post tour posters. What was I going to do with this? I didn't yeah. know they had a street team. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. Shane probably still has one of those posters. Was, what, what poster was it? Uh, it was probably like 2011 or something like that. What it was, record? Is uh, the tour? It was not For shed. No, uh, it was it was uh, last thing you forget. I think, oh, nice. but it, it had like the devil on the poster. 
black and white. Oh, yeah, yeah. You remember those? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It think... was before they went out with Touche Amore, so it wasn't, um, it wasn't Shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, remember, I know what you're talking about. I think it was Shane, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Man. Nice. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's join some street teams. Yeah. Right? I know. Let's join some street teams. Yeah. Dude, let's, yeah let's or let's start, start some. Cool. Yeah. I'm a street team for fucking. Dude, oh, we brought posters on this tour. And no one likes them. No but one I love them. them. I think they're, they're cool. They're cool, but they're way too big. We'll probably end up giving a lot of them away. Nobody wants the yeah. opening band's giant poster. <laughs> they're not going to hold it the whole show. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. the problem there. We should package them better. You know? We'll throw them. Yeah, at least yeah. put them in a. Yeah. Show them rolled up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I know I've told the story a million times, and you might have heard it on one of. But I always say I was at Bamboozle, and we had vinyl we brought. I think it was 05 yeah. or 06. Oh, man. And kids picked it up and thought it was calendars. That's sad. They didn't like vinyl. <laughs> Vinyl was literally guys. I'm telling you, no one sold vinyl. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, they no, were like, crazy. "Cool, cool saves the day calendar." Yeah. No, it's vinyl. They're like, "Okay, anyway, whoa, whoa. Uh, give me your sampler." Yeah, yeah. yeah, CD, dude. Yeah, no, I told my my mom that we're doing our record on vinyl, and she's like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> your mom. Dude, that's, the cool thing about that is my parents thought I made it when I started getting records put on vinyl. They're like, "You have records on vinyl?" And that's like, yeah, that's like, why would you bring back this dead language? You know. But I think it goes back to you know you want something to look tangible. at tangible you want something like, that you can hold yeah. So yeah that too it's like I mean also like with punk and hardcore and stuff it's like all those bands always put out records and seven like, inches and yeah, that's well, how you first I heard about them it, you know? yeah it kind of yeah like, there's definitely like that, envy feel, there you know it's, I see that and I'm like I want that for me too yeah. you know I feel like that scene really kind of had, you know carried the torch throughout the dead period of vinyl and kind of well, had a huge hand in bringing it back yeah too. Because all those kids started collecting vinyl, and I think, mm-hmm. I think record uh, labels kind of saw that. Yeah, because there are only a few p- places that would press vinyl. Uh, I don't think I still think there are only a few that do it. There's more and more now. Yeah, they're, they're coming so, up and coming because I have to. Although God. I think the the market is is kind of back on the decline a little bit, you know, which means you know maybe tapes or we something have no else will come back. back that, uh, no. that's, what, that's how we feel. <laughs> that's how I it think. Feels. Yeah, I think. That, I mean, there's definitely more people making it, and it's going to level off at some mm-hmm. point, but. Yeah. It's great that people are finding value in it yeah. and being like, "This is something I want to own and support," which is yeah. part of supporting the band. I think with the internet and the like mass spread of information, I think people are starting to realize that that tangible aspect—it's an entirely different way to present the record to you. You know, like the same way if you buy our vinyl and you buy our CD, the artwork on the inside is completely different. You know, like we didn't try to keep the same. Yeah, way. we used to the lyrics. Everything looks different, and we—it's—it's it's just another aspect that can bring you a little bit closer to understanding or getting like that piece of art. You know, yeah. And to to, to for me, when I love a band, I want to own not just like one format. I want to own everything because I know, and if if I love this band, they probably put that much time and effort and like and it connects the story into what they do, and it's it, it could tell a story or it could just give me more insight to the type of people they are, yeah. or the type of like art they like. It doesn't really matter. Just having something different you know is is just special in itself so that's why i can look for you know in bands you know just that attention to detail and that's what vinyl and other like aspects like we thought about doing a tape cassette release for this record we had some pretty funny ideas and we had a, a b-side song that we recorded for no one loves you that we just didn't put out because we couldn't figure out where to place it in the track mm-hmm. listing it was it's very different from the rest of the record so uh we were going to make limited edition tape cassettes to do it and then we ran it by the label and they were like yeah just hold on on that you know you guys have enough merch <laughs> you know, like yeah. just sell that voice stuff. of reason we should, my idea is to throw it on the cd and do like the classic secret the, yeah. the backup track yeah minutes. let, it, let yeah. it roll for five minutes of silence yeah. and then. do you remember those when you put them in and if you hit if you hit back not the back track but the the one where it, where, like, rounds, lines, yeah. it would pop the first song yeah before the first song have you ever seen those before yeah no yeah because yeah. i remember you know you always had to fast forward to it you couldn't you, i don't think you could could you go back i can't you were wound so it was before the first track oh yeah. wow you can do that yeah it was like a secret way to do it wow. i would love to figure out how to i forget that. if i don't have one now obviously i don't have, I have yeah like jimmy world cds that's yeah. all i own now um but i don't think they did it but yeah certain bands that was like a trick hidden yeah. track that's versus really cool. the one at the end with yeah. all that's, the noise that's what that's a lot smarter too you know because then Cause it's really hidden actually hidden. that's yeah. actually <laughs> it's like, not just like hey did the record end no it's yeah. still in my We've, 500 cd changer <laughs> it's still going bro yeah you just like get stuck in a conversation like the record just ended and then you hear something like 
Wait, what? <laughs> it's a track? Yeah. So that's always exciting, too. I wanted to do that and put, oh, like, okay, timestamps on our, like, the cassette if we did do it. Like, just hide it inside of the artwork. Have, like, numbers that kind of tell you where it is. Yeah. You know, if you forward through this track. But I don't know how, like, plausible that is. <laughs> you should have done the cassette. Enhanced CD, dude. The, oh, yeah, the Enhanced. Put it in your computer and it had, like, a little documentary or something on it. That would be cool. I remember our... Uh, what will we show them? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Figure that out later. I just remember I had some of those. It just, bro, it's enhanced. It was so cool. Dude. I remember putting in like a, I was like in fourth grade, I put in my Good Charlotte Young and Hopeless CD and there was like a European tour doc and I was like, mind's blown right thing. now. Luke's mind is yeah. blown like, down in Atlanta. It's the coolest thing ever, dude. It's not, but. Put it in my like window. <laughs> Get down. <laughs> All right, I need to chill. Shout out to Good Charlotte, dude. Shout cool. out to Good Charlotte. That's my, yeah, that's my shit. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> oh, are we are we are we timing up over here? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah it's been like an hour. Yeah. Uh oh, yeah, it is getting about that time. Cool. Should we sign off? Yeah, you guys. Anything else you want to say? Oh, uh, we love you all so much, and thank you for coming to our shows and supporting us. And we have a new record called "No One Loves You" that you should listen to <laughs> if you haven't already. Yeah. And thank you, Tom, for asking us to do this really cool podcast. And I can't wait to hear my voice. And I know Luke can't wait to hear his. I'm scared voice. to listen. Cause nah, don't be scared. Then, <laughs> um, how do? Uh, uh, um, we're on tour right now. Wait, no. Remember, it's more evergreen. We're we're on tour with Microwave and Big Jesus. Uh, I think we got like 24 more days left or something. Yeah, I, honestly, I keep saying that, but I don't know when this will go. We'll probably be home by the time this goes up, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, Sick. wait, we were just on tour. <laughs> Great big news. Hopefully, we're on tour now. Yeah, find us. Future. Find us on our my, on MySpace. Yeah, find us on MySpace. Microwave Big Jesus will be on our top eight. Yes. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.